Chaz Michaels added something beautiful to it. Okay, start from the beginning. Chaz, this is The Grit for December 13th. My Man. name is David Scales. Your name is Chaz Smith. We have, so much, we have so much surfing to talk about. Well, we're in the midst of the greatest week of surfing of ever. the year, maybe ever. Yeah, I, I'm going to call it the greatest sur- week of surfing in my lifetime. Is it? I mean, what was the? when did they have the split screen thing going on? Was that? Remember? Oh, that was yeah. pretty good, too. They had like two good contests on at once. I think it was a big wave contest yeah, and a right. little buddy. Maybe last year, Jaws and Pipe, yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I mean, I agree with you, though. This could be the best ever. I'm going to, in my short-term memory, since I have long-term memory loss perpetually, I'm going to call this the best week of surf, professional surfing in professional surfing's history. I co-sign it. Done. Done. Locked. Loaded. It is. And what's great, I mean, we were just saying, I hope they don't run pipe today. I need just to decompress for a day. We need to think about we need to think about the things we've seen. Exactly. We need to discuss the things we've seen. Completely. Before that though, when did this so you apparently did a you were just telling me before we turned the mics on. We never talk before the mics get turned on, but we accidentally did today about Dick Metz. Describe yeah. Dick Metz real quick. So Dick Metz is a name that I had kind of heard in the periphery. I mean, I've been around surfing for a long time now. 25 years maybe and professionally a decade you know and um so it's a name that i had heard but i didn't ever dig in to find out who he is turns out he is the inspiration behind the endless summer so he grew up in laguna uh back in the 30s 30s 40s and he was friends with shirley temple when she was a kid because amazing she, yeah like um the quick version is uh, Dean Martin and somebody else developed the Del Mar racetrack because they loved horse racing. Bing Crosby. So, is that who it was? Yeah. Okay. Wife beater and child yeah. abuser. W- was Bing a wife beater and child abuser? He, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like his children that. have come out and like written books about it. He, he was a horrible, horrible. Tap abuser. danced all over our faces. Exactly. Oh, poor kid. He's like Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen comes out and does a dance every time, big old smile. You know something's wrong with it. This relates to our Elo conversation last week uh, about like there's a thin veneer. Man. If you have to dress that way and, and be happy all the time. Right under the surface. Right under the surface. That was Bing Crosby yeah. going home and beating his children. Perfect. So, um, you know, they'd have to drive from Hollywood down to San Diego for that, uh, but there was no freeway. So they would take PCH. And Laguna is basically the halfway point. And so a lot of the costume designers, set designers, all these Hollywood people who didn't really care about the horse racing would just stop in Laguna and be like, this is amazing. Let's stay here for the weekend. And that's why it has that arts vibe to it, um, artist community. So anyways, Shirley Temple, her parents, they would stay there all weekend. And Dick Metz's parents owned a restaurant on the sand. So he and Shirley Temple would play every every summer, all summer for 10 years, basically. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, then, of course, that's where Hobie Alter's from. That's where Gordon Clark is from. That's where Bruce Brown is from, or certainly right around that area. So he went to high school with those guys. He went and did a, uh, his father owned a liquor store in Huntington Beach disneyland needed a liquor license because they were building disneyland so he sold the family liquor license to disney ended up with a couple thousand bucks uh profit used that money to travel around the world to go surfing went from tahiti through africa all over the world and came back with a bunch of photos and photos of waves because he was into board building with hobie and clark here but he wasn't traveling with a surfboard of course but he'd get like he got to south africa and he sees john whitmore who's featured in the endless summer 
and he's getting a wave and dick's like that board is terrible and john's like what do you know about surfboards let me tell you what i know about surfboards so he hangs out in south africa for six months with john whitmore uh discovers cape st francis j bay i mean by discover i mean maybe other people had found it first but discovers it for the west for the rest of us and um comes back home and shows Bruce Brown. Bruce had made a couple of films at the time, but shows Bruce Brown, like, you've got to see these waves. Here's contact information for John Whitmore and all these other people. So then Bruce gets, you know, the guys, the surfers for the film and uh, sets out and makes The Endless Summer and it changes everything. So so Dick sounds like the uh, most interesting man. In, he's surfing's most interesting man. Totally. Full stop. Totally. Like, that's who he is. He is, he is the Dosaki's most interesting man, our surf version. It, to a degree that is more apt than you know. Yeah. Like kind of a Lothario, just like the Dos Equis guy. Like every story is tinged with, yeah, and then... Oh, wow. And then John Whitmore's daughter end up having an affair with her. But, so did you do a podcast already with Dick So I, I recorded three episodes, and we're going to do a fourth. That was... He just called. That's why Chaz and I were talking about it. Um, yes. Three so, parts releasing this month. So Max Neoprene in the... I was reading today in the uh, comments, I... I think it's under the pipe comments, just today's one, just said, Chaz, please let David Scales know that his interviews with Dick Metz are awesome. Just lets the guy go and go and go. So many stories. So there you go. And then Chaz Michael Michaels added, if I was a rapper, and I often fantasize that I am, I might write something like this. Scales quizzes Dick Metz, but all he wants to do is get his dick wet. (laughs) Pretty good, yeah? Does is it Dick that wants it wet? Or the, me? Uh, Scales quizzes Dick Metz, but all he wants to do is get his dick wet. I think it, it's up for interpretation. Well, uh, it's true about Dick and his stories, <laughs> like I just said, because he he definitely was trying to bang chicks everywhere he went. Uh, perfect. Um, and still might be, to be honest. How old, um, is, how old is Dick Metz 90. today? 90. Wow. Dick and Metz. he's lucid. He's sharp as a tack. That it's is crazy. That is just fantastic. So oh, I like that. I appreciate that con. Uh, compliment by the way because um there's a fine art to either corralling somebody or not some people need corralling and direction others don't dick i recorded those four or three episodes over the course of a couple of months three different days and in my head i always thought i'm gonna have to frankenstein this together into coherent conversation and then i listened back to that first part when I was ready to edit and it was like, no, he actually makes perfect sense. It's not necessarily linear, um, uh, you know, on a timeline chronologically, but there's still coherence to what he's saying. And, but he goes off on tangents. He'll start telling about Africa and then be like, Oh, and then this other thing happened previously while we're on the topic of whatever women, there's this woman's story of, from something else. So there's coherence to it. Um, a commenter maybe on Instagram or something said, it's like listening to Grandpa Simpson tell stories, <laughs> which it kind of, I thought that was pretty spot on too. But yeah, the consensus is in, like everybody loves him. That So the reality is my job is easy when you have guys like that. Because like, he just goes and goes. And he's good. Yeah. He's charismatic. Great and he's stories. got great stories. But it's shocking how little his stories are known in the surf world i know i mean media media never discusses him i mean it's wild it's wild that we have the most interesting man in the world in our backyard and uh this is the first time i'm hearing about him and he's begging to get on the mic well good on him yeah get on dick so uh the other detail with his story is when he got back from that trip hobie alter was getting his business up and running and 
Dick took over the surf shop side of the business. Okay. So Dick owned the license for Hobie Surf Shops and went to Honolulu. That's where he opened the very first one, which he thinks is the very first surfboard shop ever, you know, where it was actually four surfboards. And so that's what his career was. And then additionally, he doesn't mind me saying this, um, uh, he started buying real estate at a certain point because he couldn't afford a house, but there'd be like plots of lands available for $500. So he bought in Idaho and even around here. And um, that's been a, you know, good thing for the rest of his life. Wow, fantastic. I know, really, really interesting, dude. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to go tap into these. Yeah, I really, it's an un... I feel like what's amazing about surfing is it's so... It's still in its nascency, really, and you have direct access to the pioneers. I mean, to the founders, yeah, so true. I mean, aside from like Duke Hanamoku, Rabbit K. Kai, a couple of guys have died. There's so many still around. Yeah, for sure. Christian Fletcher, he's still around. <laughs> Dude, I saved an Instagram video from him a while ago because I wanted to repost it. And if I reposted it, people would think that it was photoshopped somehow. It's him in the parking lot of Salt Creek, shirtless, so you see all his tattoos juggling swords oh yeah have you seen that video i've seen it i've seen it and he's good yeah he's good he's a sword juggler yeah and he's got a ciggy in his mouth and it's like beer belly and just like juggling swords and i'm like is this just being christian this isn't even a joke he's doing it completely earnestly just like hey watch me do this the father of aerial surfing still alive yeah if you can believe it the pioneer and father of grace and yeah (laughs) so real quick though where do we start today? Um, There's so much. Do you have a Do you have a a list of where to go? Entry point. I think let's start with what's fresh in our mind. Jaws. Yeah, I do have a list, but yeah, Jaws. We got to do Jaws. Fantastic. The event was, or you're glad that we're discussing? Uh, but both. I was I was overwhelmed by good feelings about the Jaws event, minus the women. Well, yeah, we need to discuss that too. But how do we discuss that, by the way? Well, it's a rough one. Let's just get it out of the way real quick. Uh, I'm all for the equality, right? Who's not for equality? Um, I just feel that it's really weirdly unfair to throw them out, throw the women out there in those waves, sandwiched between the dudes who are, all of them are charging. Not that the women weren't charging, they were charging. But it was just very clearly that the skill level and ability there's such a vast gap between it where it's just rude when you, I feel it's rude when you juxtapose them directly. So, and I get that it's real hard and expensive to do a day of competition at Jaws, but why don't they wait for just a little bit of a smaller day and do it for the women? You can't do that. What do you do? First of all, they didn't throw the women out there. The women want to go to be out there. They've fought for this opportunity. Precisely. But the problem is that it just doesn't, it doesn't look good. It does not well, look good. When and I guess I guess I guess what are you gonna do, right? Like maybe they just need more and more opportunity. So I'll give it to them. They're taking baby steps to actually getting good. And I this guess is a, this, this is, is a baby step. This is a great opportunity for them to learn at a faster trajectory than it ever would. Totally. It would take them five years to get that much experience if they just went and sat in the lineup, you know, trying to for get sure. waves. And this is also there's a lot of security and safety built into there into that event because look at all of the water rescue teams. Everyone, you should just go on anything. So that's my problem. You said the women are charging. I'm going to argue they weren't charging. They charged in the final. Actually, a few of them charged in the final, and we can I'll name them: um, Felicity, Paige, Annie Reichart, and Kiala Kenley. And Emily got a couple throughout the event. Um, 
But the first two heats, semifinal one and two, it was embarrassing how often they pulled back. They were perfectly, number of times, number of them were perfectly in position and they paddle into the wave and then, whoa, like pull the reins and pull back and you'd watch the wave just perfectly peel off. I mean, aside from they were out of position tons of times, getting sets on the head, which can happen to anybody, obviously, but they were way off on the shoulder half the time when perfect sets are rolling through. Then the real problem is just pulling back on waves. So I... I don't hate i don't like to see the, all those great waves going by it's like dude we're here for this event there's a limited this is a finite resource let's get people in the water who actually want to go on these waves and again i understand there is a there never had that opportunity so there is a learning curve and you but you have all the security in the world out there all of the safety in the world so let's let's though let's just call it that let's call it learning curve great there and in five years because of the steps these pioneering women are taking women will be charging or surfing them better in five years right yeah i mean that's the only thing i think we can say like uh, as a white man it's dumb to weigh in on anyway but the the I, see i don't think it's dumb to weigh in on it uh, it's just i guess the, my problem is what are you gonna i mean it was just so obvious they were they seemed so obviously out of out of their element in direct comparison to the men right cool. it, yeah of course which but, of course they are they know they don't get the practice yeah exactly i the detail that I kind of want to take umbrage with is the patronizing part. Like all the commentators being like, yeah, they are charging. When has it ever served anybody yeah. to pat them on the back when they're not actually living up to their potential? No, you call them out, you hold them accountable. If you had a kid who you knew was good at math and they come home, they're like, I got an F on the test. You don't pat them on the back and go, Hey, good job. You know, uh, but what if they're, what if here's, they're here's a, what if they're okay at math and they come home and do okay? Like, because I, I then that's fine. You can support them in that, sure. and then you but I, help implement, put in strategies to help them do better. But I think that's what those the the girls in the Jaws event were okay and surfed okay. I'll say they surfed okay, right? In the final, yes. Yeah, in the final. Up until the final, I don't think anybody made a single wave. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of. I mean, Kayla almost won the dang thing again without yeah without standing again exactly or without completing a ride right I should say. Yeah, but women aside, no. I again, I want to drive that point home. Yeah, I don't think it's okay for the commentators to just. I think it feels patronizing to me. For sure. I mean, but I think they're but in stuck, a way that isn't helpful. The commentators are stuck too. I think they're thinking like, "Damn it, this is this is awkward." But and that it's feels more sexist to me. Like if it's equal, like we all want equal opportunity, right? Like then have equal analysis. Like when Tori Meister is eating crap. I mean, over and over. I mean, talk about somebody who threw themselves over the falls. Tony Meister really gave her hell. <laughs> I mean, it was insane, yeah. you know? And they call him out on that. Yeah. You know, so it's not, it's okay to call somebody out for not being able to achieve their potential. I wonder, I mean, with the. And it's only detrimental to them to not. So it actually feels sexist to me. With this to, whole. With this whole equality thing, like I feel the WSL, they they're the ones who really went out and chest pounded about it, right? Like first they did all kind of Sophie out on the out on the warpath, like so many interviews across mainstream media of we are the first, we are the first league to offer equal pay, we're the first league to offer equal opportunity, da 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 da, da on down the line, right? Yeah. Which okay, so if you're gonna go chest pound, I don't know why they didn't have or why they couldn't have foreseen okay let's have a jaws big wave academy for the women right where interesting the years leading up to it or the year leading up to it you have shane dorian you have you know whoever expert 
coaching like so it so it just doesn't look so embarrassing it's like they're all for chest pounding on the optics yeah of totally let's give them equality but the reality of that equality was halting and awkward yeah it was not it was it was not comfort comfortable to watch it and i even brought my wife over to watch right and she winced and turned away like yeah. that's i mean the level again compared to the men which is not fair at all to hold them to the standard of the men to these guys who have been doing it forever who've had the resources forever to do it on and on and on but if the wsl wants to chest pound and be all about equality and equal pay and equal opportunity then they should do the hard work underneath of making the resources available to get the women up to speed because they're just not up to speed at all. And it seems like the WCL, hey, that's on you. You know, you yeah. go out and do what you need to do, but they don't have the stinking resources. There's still no big sponsors for, I mean, even, well, even, even big wave dude surfers have trouble getting sponsors, right? Yeah. It's not a, it's not a lucrative thing. It's still a passion thing. I think by and large for most of those guys, like I think very few have, very few i think none are getting rich off big wave surfing and i think you know a number are getting by on it yeah but i think a whole bunch of other ones are just still brickies and stuff right i mean which so that's an interesting point that i think is worth acknowledging here because it's easy for me to point out um william cardoso at chopu he's he's my new hero by the way okay yeah (laughs) why well, we'll get into okay. it when we get the pipeline. But it's easy for me to point at him and go, this is your job. You're at Chopu during a CT event. Go. Yep. It's not okay to not go on waves. Yeah. I can't really apply that in this situation because this isn't their job. No. These are just passionate people who are really trying to improve at this recreational thing that they do. And there's this specialty event that's taking place. They get a phone call. They're financing their trip around the world or wherever they're coming from to go do this. Like Bianca Valenti, you know, is somebody who's kind of been um, tip of the spear in terms of vocal. Sure. She was featured in the New York Times article and stuff um, about wanting equal pay for, and she's performed really well at, I think, uh, Puerto Escondido. And I learned on the webcast yesterday, like, her family owns a restaurant in San Francisco. She works there as a server. Yeah. So, you know, it's like she's gets this call out. She didn't catch a wave, by the way, throughout this entire event um, or through the one heat that she didn't make it through. But I can't really hold her accountable for in that scenario. It's like, well, good job. You financed your trip over here. She's doing the You have no ab- obligation to anybody. You don't have an obligation to me. She's doing absolutely the best she can. Yeah. Like without, she's not getting paid to do it. Right. I mean, she made whatever prize money. But yeah, I really feel good about this. WSL should have an academy. They should yeah. have an, and a big wave academy for the women. Make it a stinking st- Elo. Damn you. Damn you and your horrible ideas. Just think what a great show that would be. You have the, that's more shoulder content for the WSL, right? You showcase all the work that they're, it's like a year program. And you go with the best big wave surfers in the world. You travel around to, you know, you tackle big cloud break. You do, and then just ramp the level up. Stupid Elo, why do I have to come up with all these ideas myself? It's insane. I'm going to pilfer It's insane. I mean, he should. This is like an absolute no-brainer. This is an absolute no-brainer idea. Well, the few shining star like there was a couple annie reichardt annie reichardt i had never heard before nope they were interviewing her they had like these uh pre-packaged little interviews with her and it seemed like she was talking to the camera um about all of the competitors that were going to be in the event because she wasn't speaking and i guess it'd be the first person like hey i'm looking forward to this she's like 
I'm really looking forward to watching this. Those women yeah. charge. Those women really put it all on the line. So I think she got the call up at the last second even. But she's from Maui and she surfs out there. And um, she's young. I want to say she's 21 or whatever. She was really articulate. She's She was like, this woman's amazing. And then she went out there and charged it. Yeah, she charged. She ate it on a couple. She made a couple. It was like, holy cow, who is this? Yeah. So I really, those moments in it, I really enjoyed. Um Paige Alms, congratulations. I mean, three, pa- Paige, Paige. Three in a row. Well, and Paige rips. It's, there's no doubt. She yeah. is kind of the queen bee out there. Um, Felicity Palmatier. I don't know why I started following her on Instagram a couple of years ago or where I was first introduced to her. It might have been because of the Jaws event, but she shreds. Yeah. She surfs small ways really well. She charges out there. She was the very first one to go on like a significant wave in the first heat, and she made it to the bottom. Like The board kind of didn't... Uh, track down the line on the takeoff she got bumped so it forced her straight down instead of off to the shoulder so by the time she made the drop to the bottom the avalanche just kind of swallowed her so she didn't technically make the wave but she made the drop and it was an insane wave yeah. you know so there were moments like that that have real um, potential i mean yeah the, like real growth potential the potential's there but sure. the, the wsl should fund that potential. I, I agree that's great they, like it's like they, the ultimate fighter where it's precisely. a friday night reality show Perfect. and they're all getting yeah easy totally uh, uh let's by the way my detail my criticism was obviously focused at the support system around like the way that the commentators talk about it is what i see as being detrimental to the progress of the yep. thing you know like there's no point in but let's talk about the commentators real quick outside the women yeah what, what what grade do you give the booth at jaws a plus i gave the booth an a plus too yeah watching those guys i learned things mm-hmm. uh i was i was informed i was entertained i thought they're pete mel kaipo like it made me that much more frustrated about the wall of positive noise because when you see those guys actually excited themselves like they were all excited when yeah. somebody went down in a wave you could hear the excitement. They weren't manufacturing it. They weren't trying to generate positivity. They were genuinely, truly engaged in the moment. And that was like, I could feel that through the screen. I loved every second of that. I loved, uh, what's his name? Dave Wassell on the boat and, and Kalama, Dave Kalama in the booth. Like, I mean, I couldn't speak, can't speak Pete Mel. Like, Pete Mel came up with so many... I mean, obviously, he's a big wave surfer. But there were so many little nuggets he dropped about even, like, you know, sanding nicks off your boards. So, like, being in tune with your damn 10-foot gun. Every part of it, I was fascinated by. Loved it. Loved I, the commentary. I agree. And they weren't swapping out different teams for no. each heat. Like, those guys were in the booth the entire day. Yep. Um, so, it's funny. There's certain... If you... Just when I turned it on and Dave Kalama, he's kind of marble-mouthed. You know, I'm not sure if his tongue's too big for his mouth or what. <laughs> but, like, I start listening and I'm like, oh, man, this guy just doesn't have a broadcaster's kind of delivery and voice. I forgot about that within five minutes. Because it's, he, yeah, because he's so good. He's, I mean, he's, he's both passionate about it, knowledgeable about it, and, yeah. Articulate. You know, he's, like, using big words. I'm yeah. like, whoa, Dave Columbus actually got, like, a vocabulary no, lexicon. No, I mean, I... Um, but then Pete Mel, on the other hand, I'll take a little uh, of the opposite point from you. Pete Mel struggles to find words. He often uses 30 words when five will do. And I often don't even quite know what point he was getting at. 
you know? I hear you. But Pete, but hearing Pete in the moment so excited that he's stumbling over words and losing words out of sheer excitement and exuberance yeah. to me was, was a winning combination. I agree. When it looked like that, right? Like I think Pete does a similar thing. He's he's less clearly excited, but trying to manufacture those same levels of excitement when he's watching Rio Beach Break or something, yeah. which is the whole WSL's problem, right? As Joe... Oh, but... It well, also so made me. It also made me hate Joe Trapel exactly. more for some I reason. I almost said Joe Trapel three minutes ago when you were talking about it. Oh, you because it's Joe Trapel in contrast to Dave Kalama. Joe Trapel, when you hear and when you put it on paper, you're like, "Oh, this guy's a perfect broadcaster." But none of that matters no. if it doesn't have if he doesn't have any passion behind his voice. And I bet if you ask Joe Trapel, he's very very passionate about surfing and super knowledgeable too. I hear from pe- people who say that Joe Trapel has like weird stats and yes. facts and figures on lock from like decades ago that totally. he can just pull out. Like he knows more about the game than anyone. So on paper, it makes perfect sense, but. He's a bore fest. The, the the just molasses snooze. Like he came there was a spot during the Jaws thing where I can't remember what it was for, but it was Joe Trapel doing the you know, voiceovering the advertisement. And it made me cringe so deeply and profoundly to he like almost PTSD style to hear his voice come into a to a world or this universe that I was totally enjoying and mm-hmm. caught up in the caught up in the action, caught up in the, you know, all the personalities in the booth, all that, like, was really enjoying it. And then here came Joe Trupel, whatever, talking about whatever. And it was just, ugh, mm-hmm. the thought of going back to Joe just really made me, sorry, Joe, I'm sure you're a wonderful man, but you are painful to listen to. Well, so those commentators did a phenomenal job, but it's a good, it's an easy event to commentate. Like, it's that exciting. I mean, it really you was. can't get out of the way of the excitement. Sometimes, though, I remember in past Jaws events or Mavericks events or big wave events in general that the the weight or the lulls between waves will get really, really long where there'll be, you know, 30 minutes and nothing happens or 45 minutes and nothing happens. Yesterday's, I felt there was, I mean, a wave almost every yeah. four minutes. Yeah, totally. I haven't seen it pump like that with consistency like that. In, the in last two or memory. three years, they've gotten great events. I mean, like it's a fantastic event that it's, does. It's the best day of surfing, dude. And yeah. I don't even care about it. Revitalized it. Revitalized my interest in big wave surfing because throughout the year, I'm kind of like, eh, who cares? You who know? does care? Because they get up and they go straight. Sure. Not that interesting. Yeah. But there's no confusion about the calamity and the risk and all of it. Like you, there's helicopters buzzing through, jet skis. It's full water world situation. I mean, there's a lot of tension leading into the event, and as soon as the horn, the buzzer sounded. I think it was Jamie Mitchell or Twiggy. One, yeah, I forget. Jamie or Twi- got the very first wave that was like I thought it was spectacular. Yeah. I just and then they got a five on it. Yeah, and then right behind him, Russell Beerke pulls into a barrel, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like right within the first five minutes, it's game on. It started with such a bang, and then didn't it was either Twiggy or. Uh... Somebody else like just cartwheeled down one within yes. that first five minutes too. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was like everything right away. So it's pure pandemonium. And like again, there's Broken no boards. way. There's no way to uh, get around the excitement. It's just so exciting. Phenomenal event. Yeah, good job, World Surf League. Um, you did it. So Billy Kemper won four time champ. I'm kind of over Billy Kemper. Are to you? be honest with you? Yeah. Why? Uh, I liked Billy. I was thinking about it this morning. I liked Billy when he was, I'm just a family man from Maui doing, doing, you know, doing what I love to do. Uh, now 
especially after pipe uh, and all the interviews after pipe and then interviews after here too, the real chest pounding, like not in my backyard. I own this place. Like Billy Kemper, which I guess if you win four, then you all of a sudden have a giant old ego. But I liked at least the version of Billy Kemper that was presented to me. The, the kind of, not that I need my hero's egoless. I love a good ego, but ego, a big fat ego on Billy Kemper didn't fit well for me. Like he came out, he finished wave pounding his chest and stuff like that, which right. was just ugh, like, you absolutely do not need to do that. Like it's the one place surfing a big jaws wave. You don't need to do anything. Everybody knows yeah. what what a man you are or what a you know stud you are on that. At what point does he need to eliminate using the word the name Billy? I mean, should he go by Bill at a Bill certain Kemper. point? Bill yeah. Kemper. Bill I Kemper. mean, big big wave Bill. Yeah, Bill Kemper would be good. Billy is a child's name. Yeah, maybe William Kemper. I'm down for that. Yeah, Will Kemper. Will Kemper. Uh, he's earned it. He's I mean, earned yeah, it. Yeah, he's a man. Or maybe it's well. Yeah, I'm wondering if Billy. You can either be like a child or a real badass, I th- but there's no in between with Billy. I mean, because because people want uh, John John to lose the second John. I just saw a comment to you know, and that's gone back and forth for a while. Like he yeah. should be John, and I'm, he tried to remember. I was yeah. always a big advocate of no. You charge that hard. You have a little boy's name. The dissonance is awesome. Like yeah. same with Billy too. I think like yeah. he charges hard, but yeah, I the chest pounding thing. That this is my backyard. I own it here. Da da da. I was I was I'm not won over now by Billy Kemper as a character in the surf world. I think eh, I, I'm going. I'll be honest. I root against Billy Kemper now. I was. Yeah. I mean, I was rooting for Ian Walsh. You really? Are you yeah. an Ian guy? I love Ian. Yeah. Who I mean, else? just in that, I, I I had not analyzed this until you just confronted me with it. But as I was watching that, I was thinking, I like, Ian is more cerebral. Yeah. He's more um, humble, humility, like kind of, he's absolutely training as hard as Billy is, but he's not necessarily like beating you over the head with it. I guess he made a documentary about it and he posted on Instagram. So to a certain degree, he's, you know, advertising it. But uh yeah, I was rooting for him and Nathan Florence. What about what about uh, Hollywood Kai Lenny? I don't care. Yeah, about Kai. I mean, Kai is amazing. He's sure. an amazing talent. But yeah, so many people laud him that I just kind of don't care. K- Kai seems like he's a product made for non-surfers, like yeah. which is fine, and he's a great you know salesman or whatever for the for this healthy lifestyle we all partake in and all that. But yeah, I have I have absolutely no interest in Kai Lenny. I mean. Seems smart. So it seems, seems great. Like, yeah, yeah. It seems what he does is phenomenal. But I just have no personal interest. I need my, I need my cheering interest to be flawed. I guess or yeah. have some kind of. Well, Billy, what's interesting um, that chest pounding thing will serve you well to a degree. I think it has really limited applica- application. Yeah, applicability. Um, so it certainly has applicability out there. Like he goes out there, controls the lineup. It basically bullies people out of position. He was trying to do it at Pipeline too, and he did it uh, successfully against Jamie O'Brien. Yeah, but Seth just—I mean, Seth exactly doubled so down and just smashed. Down. I mean, I guess it was Seth and wasn't being a bully. Seth just served smart. Well, that's that was going to be my point. Is that the big bully? You can outwork. Sure. You can outsmart. Yeah. You can out. You know position maneuver all that sort of stuff and so it was good to see that yeah they're equally good surfers but seth is more nimble and lithe and he's gonna outwork you man that was a that was a fantastic heat and a nice transition to pipeline yeah well no i'm not done with jaws yeah okay a couple more thoughts on jaws uh russell bierke looks like 
a creepy uncle. He looks, first of all, 30 years older than he really is. It's amazing. Is he 20? Is he 19? I think he's young still. I yeah. think he's. I think he might be 19 yeah. or 20, yeah. There was a moment where he was standing. They were interviewing him and Eli Olsen, and Eli is Hollywood good-looking. Yep. Like a hipster haircut, chiseled. And by the way, Birgie's chiseled too, but he's pasty, pale white. He's Andy Warhol white with the same bleached hair and like this weird look on his face with a creepy mustache it was hilarious russell russell Bierke really looks like an axe murder i mean he looks like <laughs> he looks like one of those hollywood movies where the kids you know end up broken down in, in the, the woods. in the woods and here comes russell Bierke to cut him up yeah no yeah. like offering to help at first. yeah yeah of course he's and just then they're like what, what's he's like the nice weird country bumpkin guy yeah. who then yeah, Russell. But, I was I was rooting Russell the whole time. I think he's my new favorite surfer. By yeah, the way. yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to all I mean, in. Yeah, he is so unbelievable, and yep. he dropped an edit two months ago. Yeah, it was just so insane. Like the kid charges. He charges. Yeah, isn't that weird that people just don't like? Some people are born without fear, without a fear mechanism. Does it hit later in life? I don't think he knows the consequences yet. I mean, he's broken bones out yeah, there. Yeah, he's so. he's gotten shredded. I think he's gotten yeah. pounded on the uh, in Western Australia before. He, he broke a collarbone, I think. Last yeah. Year. No, I th- I think that some people are just not born with that same fear instinct. Weird. Yeah. yeah creepy uncles. Cre- exactly. Axe murders. They know they're not very scared. Uh, what a- did you track and follow Lucas Chumbo? I love it. So Lucas was early. His joy. Well, which he's missing the fear thing too. Like he was just having fun when he tried to kickflip his board at the end of that wave there. Like insane. What would you even be in your head to think? Okay, now I'm going to do a kickflip. Like I know he was just. He looked like he was having the most fun. Like they would. He is. They would get the camera on people who were like you could tell that it was tense out there. And then when they got the camera camera on Chumbo, he was just like smiling ear to ear. Just oh yeah yeah yeah. His. Um, maneuver is to do a flutter drop in on the rights so he's goofy foot and he's done this in past years and they called it out like the commentators alerted me to it but he gets up at the top of the wave and he'll like kind of ollie like he wants the air under his board and he'll do a flutter down the face and then his goal is to reconnect and ride it just to add dramatics and flair to the wave and even on the left he was like trying to ollie when a chop would happen and so I agree with you it's super fun but by the end of the day, I thought he was it's, a all no- it's all novelty. I don't know, though. But watching, I mean, I needed it because, again, you're right. When watching big waves, there's so much more fun happening. And then when the wave actually gets ridden, it's sort of yawny, right? Yeah. Like, the it guy, can be. The guy's just going straight, like nine times out of ten. So I like the added flair, the dramatics of... Because that's when you when a guy's board is either when he's airdropping or just his tail is in the in the water, that makes the drop fun, right? Yeah. Like a solid stance board in the water, straight line. It's great, and it's uh, you know I'll never be able to even dream about how that feels. But yeah, it's it's not necessarily exciting. It's it's also not um, functional. Like it's just to add novelty and a, a fake thrill to the wave. Like if you remember. Th- two or three years ago, Shane Dorian's first wave of the event. It might have been before the event got called on. It was a proper free fall drop. Like he stands up at the lip, the catches air, board even kind of flutters under his feet, and then he lands and reconnects perfectly. And it was because he was in the most critical part of the wave where it was barreling and he went over the ledge. So there it happened naturally. 
and it was functional and all that. Lucas Chumbo is trying to do that, but he's trying to manufacture it. And so for me, it just feels like almost a little bit of a, I don't know, like a, you're trying to pull a fast one on a, on a non-sophisticated audience. And it's certainly not as cool as what Shane did, but I do like it. It yeah. is entertaining. It was I, I enjoyed watching him surf more than anyone else. I I like somebody trying to do something different than what we've seen. He would, he, it's just crazy to see somebody having fun. I mean, imagine that you were out there. Ima- I would be puking over the side of the boat and yeah. then puking in the water. And then I would just get obviously destroyed on any wave I even was remotely close to. But just the pure joy oh, is bizarre. I know. So uh, Kai Lenny has... A bit of that. I mean, he certainly has that approach too, where he's clearly having fun. He's very comfortable. I was and trying what I to liked, do top turns. And yeah, whatnot. I liked that he was approaching it differently. But even when he did a turn, I had to figure out in my head, well, how do you score a turn on a lesser wave, which we've never really seen before? Turns, you know, or we're just starting to see them now, versus Ian Walsh, you know, uh, taking off right at the peak, having to knife a drop. I didn't like the turns, to be honest. It looked like it looks like high performance longboarding, where the board yeah. is just way too long to make it look good. Like right. it's not. I mean, if they were like doing drop knee turns or something, or or if they were surfing those longboards in a way that looked appealing, yeah. But just a big old wrap seemed weird with that much board out the nose, out the front. They scored it correctly. Yeah, it didn't get know. it didn't get a good score, right? Did Kai get second? Fourth. Who got second? It was Billy, Ian, Nathan, Kai, Makua, and then Lucas Chanka. Okay. Yeah. Um, interesting detail that they kind of referenced just momentarily is that Shane Dorian pulled out of the event. Oh, really? Yeah. He was in the booth. Was he? He was. I remember him in the booth at Pipe. But I think, I didn't. Oh, maybe he wasn't in the booth there. Why, you, did, why did he pull out? How would you feel, by the way, if you were a 45-year-old man forced to wear a Monster Energy baseball hat? Oh, man. Every day, whenever the camera's on. If you're caught without it, you're getting docked. Yeah, it'd be a real bummer. Oh, I mean, is that okay? No. Would you do it even for the paycheck? I mean, I mean, I'd feel yeah, I guess I'd do it for the paycheck, but I would feel pretty bummed for the rest of my life. You're 45 years old, monster, wearing a monster energy, monster paycheck. claw, the big monster claw right there, the devil's claw. Then the the worst is too. I think when people aren't comfortable with it, and so they try to design their way out of it, so they'll have Monster or Red Bull or whoever design them specific hats. Kolohe used to do this. Huh. Kolohe didn't like the traditional sporting sporty red bull hat and so got like a five panel hat or something uh, and it just looked oh maybe it wasn't chloe somebody some red bull athlete that i knew uh had red bull design them specific hats and it looked way worse just take your medicine take your money and your medicine yeah um well have you have you seen that conspiracy about Red Bull, by the way, being or not Red Bull, uh, Monster? Oh yeah, being a about six, like six six six. six yeah. It's all like devils innuendo. There's a long it's video funny. about it. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's accurate. It all makes perfect sense. And again, it's a it's a great conspiracy. I'm not saying I buy into it, but it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Shane Dorian pulled out of the event, which opened up a spot for that 15 year old kid. Tyler or Tyson. Okay. Or I think just Ty. Why Ty Simpson Connie. Why did uh, Dorian pull out? I don't know. They didn't say. I presume it's that he feels he has kids and life obligations and this is too uh, dangerous at this point. Really? That's what I would think. Because I remember him talking about that in the last year or two, saying that he's really trying to reconcile 
the risk versus reward. Nice. Well, I mean, he's done. He doesn't need to prove himself exactly. at all. Yeah, exactly. Like, hang it up. Yeah. Hang up the big the big wave gun. But it was worth discussing. I thought. Like, I would like to discuss it with him. I wonder if his if Jackson, his son, uh, gets a taste for the for the big waves. If he'll paddle back out. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see? Jackson caddying for Slater at sunset. I did. Smashed in the shore break. I sure did. Was, Slater got caught in it too. Slater got really, really worked. It was very funny. It was super funny. Um, good on them though, just for going for it. Giving her. Um, all right, so pipe then. On to pipe. On to pipe. We are in the thick of it, dude. We have one day left for pipe. Somebody, is it one? Do they do 16 all the way till... I bet they'll. I bet they'll I think, hold it for two. I think we're in thirty-two, the round of thirty-two. We're, no, we're we're done with thirty-twos. We're oh, to, so it's quarterfinals. We're to the sixteens. Sixteens oh, is a quarter, though. Sixteen is yeah, you're right. Because remember, they do sixteen, and then they have like a non-elimination yeah thing in the middle there. Yeah, it's de- I think it's two more days of pipe. I think it's one. I think two. they go sixteen quarters semis finals. No, because they have the whole heat where the, the nobody Not goes anymore. home again. Yeah. Are you sure? Pretty sure. All right, I'll look it up while we're talking. I don't trust you. Yeah, they do. For sure, it's two more days. Okay. They'll go 16. I think nobody goes home in the 16. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think it just reseeds or something. Nope. 16 is eight heats, then quarterfinals, then the semis. Oh. Is that one day? So, yeah, four four rounds to get through. I Because every time... They overlap, too, well, all the way up until the semis. The only reason... Semis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay. They, yeah, but the reason way. why I'm saying that is because uh, after somebody's heat win on the previous day, they'd go, "All right, we'll see you on finals day." Okay. Oh, so, there you go. So we got um, Idolo versus Patterson, Yago versus Julian, Ricardo versus Jack Freestone, Seth versus Kelly Slater, Gabriel versus Kayo, John John versus Soli Bailey. By the way, Soli Bailey won the Volcom event at the beginning of the year. Uh, Jesse Mendez, Griffin Colapinto, Michelle Perez versus Chloe Andino. So world title contenders that are still in it. Chloe, Gabriel, Idolo. Uh, Chloe's not really though. Not I think really. I think Chloe's already just the fact that these guys are in or that yeah. Idolo and Gabe are in round of sixteen. Yeah, I think Chloe's already been drummed out. Yeah, and I think Idolo and Gabe are on the same side of the draw too. Yep. So they could come up against one another. Who's your pick uh, for the world title? I mean, it's impossible to to pick against Gabriel Medina. To be honest, my my heart is all Idolo. Uh, my mind is Gabe. Well, Idolo's got Idolo's got a better draw. Idolo's got basically a freebie with Pedersen Crisanto. Yep. Gabriel, Kaio's a legit contender. Well, and Kaio's Kaio's taken Gabriel out before. Totally. Like in Kaio at good pipe. Real quick, do you wish they would switch the? Uh, I love it. It's a part of the holiday tradition having pipeline right now. But don't you wish they would switch it to January or February? Yes, totally. I mean, the fact that they act surprised, somebody mentioned in the Beachcare comments too, or many people did, I'm sure, in our live comment thing, but the fact that they act surprised that there's too much sand on the reef and that the swell is not exactly the right direction to make perfect pipe, where they act somehow like they build the forecast up to, this is going to be all time, and then it's a little wonky, still great, fun to watch, but it's not perfect pipe, and then they act surprised, always. Well, the Vulcan Pipe Pro is always better. I mean, the Vulcan Pipe Pro is perfect pipe, and the Dewey Shootout is better too. Right. Yeah, I wonder if they could just swap. Um, I think they tried and got rejected. Remember, they tried yeah, to swap yeah, yeah. with Volcom and got got a slap back. Right. Um, well, what's your call? So the Kayo and Gabe thing is really interesting because Kayo consistently is a giant killer. He, he is. beat Kelly and West Oz, uh, John John. 
he's beat and he's taken out Gabriel and Gabriel. They had that interference call this year in Europe. Um, so Gabriel will it's bad blood already. Yeah, they, Gabriel will want to rectify that situation. Well, and I think that Kyle was pissed at Gabriel being a little whiner about exactly. that too. So yeah. I'm sure that Kyle has like an honest to goodness like little little blood, bone to pick now. Blood feud. Yeah. And I think that by the way, Kyle, you cannot underestimate that guy's barrel prowess. Yep. Like he's always searching for barrels everywhere that he goes he's really good at surfing big barreling waves certainly not the talent that gabriel has but i think that um i think this is a better matchup than it looks like on paper like oh, for I sure guy kyle could take him out. oh for sure i have no doubt in kyle i just think that gabe has been so locked in the, since the start of this competition like he's at a perfect 10 right he, did he i think he did he's think. just like clinically close, yeah. clinically dismantling pipeline you watch him paddle i mean he it, the very beginning of this heat, he goes on a wave, and you're just like, oh, eight. Yeah. Like, he just puts together eights, no problem. Lefts, rights, doesn't matter. Guy's unflappable. Which I want, again, heart is all Idolo. I want Idolo to, to pull it. Um, but I felt nervous. I felt shaky watching Idolo the first uh, couple days. I mean, Idolo lost in the seat, or didn't lose, but got second, I think, in the seating round, right? I don't he, remember. He looked a bit shaky. He wasn't, he wasn't coming in dominating. So... Um, does it matter that Idolo has been there for a month surfing pipe every single day putting in the hours and that Gabe just showed up at the last minute no okay because I think I think it's going to come down to I think Idolo and Gabe both are completely unafraid right yeah both can thread tubes no problem it's all going to be about heat tactics more or less and a bit of luck right I mean if if it goes flat for somebody or whatever but right again there's no that's not necessarily luck anymore right like i feel back to the billy yeah. kemper seth moniz heat uh not that seth knew better than billy but it seemed like seth let billy you know big strut big chest whatever pound his chest around the reef and go and then seth knew okay i you know that's not the right wave to go on yeah. That's what it felt like. Well, the trick out there is that it's not always the biggest ones that are the best ones. No. Like, there's a lot of sneaky ones at Pipe that people get under priority that end up becoming the 10-point rides. I mean, just how Kelly has made such a career out there so Kelly, is just picking those off. Kelly's 47 years old. And I've written him off. I mean, I, I haven't written him off. I just look at the stats, and the stats prove that he's not anywhere near the top of his game anymore. Um, but what he is the top of his game at is pulling off little magic tricks like that where when the waves are on he finds these ones that nobody else finds he knows the ocean better than anybody else almost anywhere in the world which is crazy to think about and that wave sure enough Joan Derude never even looked at the right you know like Joan had priority they split the peak Joan went left and probably got like a five or something it was a cool barrel whatever but he didn't even look and by the way Kelly we need to acknowledge his um competitive savvy as well because what he did knowing Joan had priority is only look left behind Joan. so Joan just thought oh kelly wants this left no i'm gonna pull rank and go but Ke- kelly only ever wanted the right kelly's anyway. such a sneaky sneaky man so goes right and that thing was the i mean it was the longest barrel i've seen at back door that i can ever remember that's so epic it was so epic and kelly even said i wanted to doggy door the thing four times he goes i kept like 
aiming for the doggy door and then it would shut down. So I'd pull back into the barrel and then I'd try to doggy door the next section, pull back in. And so there was like four different sections that he had to navigate and then come out. It was so, so sick. Who is 47. Who are you going to give? Are you going to give, is he going to make a run up the Olympic qualification charts and knock double John out of the game? No, because John John's still in pipe. And I think John will go farther in pipe than Kelly does. You think so? Yeah. You think that John's? I mean, John probably doesn't have to go that much more. I think. I think John John actually, if John John gets to the quarters, he's probably the Olympic qualifier. So John John has to beat Soli Bailey basically, which is a legit contender, and then Kelly has to beat Seth Moniz, which is a com- Ooh, legit. Contender. I mean, it's going to be so dang fun. This the next day of pipe is going. The finals day, I guess, of pipe is going to be absolutely unbelievably fun to watch. And if it's on Sunday, you and I are going to try to live stream. Definitely, it's on today. Um, we forgot no to can do. pitch that. Yeah. Uh, well, is 47, well, this is Joe Turpel tw- question, is Kelly the oldest surfer to ever get a 10 in normal competition? He has to be, right? I think he has to be. Yeah. 47. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine other 47-year-old surfers. I mean, I guess a random, maybe there might have been a uh, trialist or something or a, you know, whatever, wild card. I can't even imagine who that would be. Yeah, I can't either. Because in the Legends or in the Heritage Series heats, Tom Curran got one at J-Bay against yep. Aki, you know, four but years ago. But that's terrible. But that's different. Yeah. yeah. It's on a different judging scale yeah. and everything. So Kelly is the oldest surfer in the world to ever get a 10. Yeah. I mean, not that we need to add to his list of accolades. That's a pretty low one. But still, it's interesting. I mean, Kelly at Pipe is still, is just, he's phenomenal, phenomenally fun to watch out there. And big barreling waves anywhere. Yeah. You know, that is his bread and butter. The thing is, what I also have to acknowledge is running the stats from the past five years, he has peaks and valleys. Like, even though the waves are going to be pumping on the next day that they run, he could just flub a heat. Yeah. And especially against Seth. Yeah. He's done that a bunch of times in recent years. So I'm almost uh, don't want to buy into all the media's hype. As soon as he gets that 10, people freak out and they're like, Kelly's back. Oh yeah. my God, Kelly. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, he comes back for one heat at a time. Yeah. But I don't know that he can pull it together through the entire event. So I'm going to save my praise, but it's still spectacular. Okay, so are you Gabe or Idolo? I, I agree with you. Gabe, you cannot not pick Gabe. It's really hard not He's to a pick robot. Gabe. And then who's going to win pipe then? Gabe. Okay, so you're saying Gabe for the win, Gabe for the title. Well, okay, let's acknowledge John John real quick. Double John. Do you think John's knee is totally fine? Did he come in to block Kelly just to ensure, knowing that if he got to the quarters or whatever it is, semis, because he doesn't need to win. John doesn't need to win the thing to get to go to the Olympics. He just needs to obviously beat Kelly, which he may well have already done by being in the round of 16 even. I think that, uh, no, to answer your question, no. John John sees pumping pipe. Can't help it. He ha- yeah, that's the draw for John. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say I'm going to go conspiratorial here. Say twofold. Uh, pumping pipe, yes, it's great. Likes it, but wouldn't have done it had had it not been for A, blocking Kelly, making ensuring that Kelly gets blocked from the Olympic thing, and B, Hurley selling to Blue Star, and no more free ride for him, I think. He I think to shore up his spot on the roster. For sure. I think that, you know, with Hurley's sale to a more or less Garmentos, uh, they're not going to be holding all that Hurley-Nike, you know, roster. Like, that was such a Nike move to have the... And it was all accidental, of course. It's when they merged 
uh, where they were Nike was trying 6.0, remember 6.0? Yeah. Yep. And then merged with the Hurley team, and so just married them all together, which is why you had the biggest team in the like from Julian to Philippe to John John da, 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 on down the line. But it was still a real Nike thing to have this elite team. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily Blue Stars thing. And who's going to want to punt money, like or just pump money into this massive team? So heads are rolling, and I think John John knows that okay i gotta i got to show this is my last time to show my value yeah and i think he's done it like yeah. just his his couple of waves that he's gotten out there in this event so far prove that he is on such a different level he's on such a different he's level he's a savant it's crazy somebody who was it that said i think it was out of the booth maybe said that uh john looks pissed that gabe is going to win it this year or that's what it was it was specifically when he was asked about how how will you feel if Gabe wins his third title, and he said not happy or something, right? Yeah. Like John showed. So that's the third detail about yeah. why he's doing this event. Just to show, just to put an asterisk on Gabe's third world title. Yeah, John had dominated the start of the year. Yeah, John's still in eighth place on yeah. the world rankings. Look, how crazy is that? Basically, not surfing all year. I mean, he surfed. He surfed three events. up until Brazil. Pulled out of Brazil. Pulled out in the quarters, right? something like that yeah i mean he was he was he could have he could have won brazil yeah also i mean he was just he is dominating. in eighth place after not surfing five or six events yeah it's crazy it's insane and so you know i've stated this on air in the past everybody thinks gabriel's such a badass gabriel has only won his world titles when john john was injured i can't wait for next year uh, a healthy john and a asterisk gabe yeah. is going to be a fun year's worth of competition. Yeah, and and again, John can kind of solidify the point that I just made by being like, well, Gabe was doing everything he could to win a world title. I came out with an injury just to show up at Pipe just to slap him back down. Yep. That's it. Gabe and Idolo, step on up. Let's let's talk about the also-rans this year. The what? Also-rans. Jordy, Kalohe, who else was in the... What's the word you're using? Also-rans. What's that? The, you never heard of also ran and also ran as somebody who's like was also in the race but oh. but you know gotcha. was never was never really a hopeful contender yeah never I mean Kalohe was never really a contender got it Jordan this is the Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg. I, exactly the this Kamala is the, Harris this is this is Kamala Dude, who's like what's gonna happen with Pip's career what's gonna happen with Kalohe's career what's going to happen with Michael Jordan's career this is peak Felipe we saw peak Felipe this year he will only slide down the rankings from this point on okay you heard it here first this is my prediction peak peak philippe peak philippe peak um, Pip. if you can't win in barrels if you can't win in barreling reef breaks you do not deserve a place in the top five and felipe we've seen him kind of becoming more comfortable he, he i thought he served pipe very well it was okay yes you're you're right that statement is not incorrect but when you watch him surf snapper or in beach breaks in France, there's a level of domination and confidence and all of this. Like he is just going to go out there and own the lineup. That's an entirely different Felipe than we see at barreling reef passes. He's just barely comfortable at barreling reef passes. And we have enough time now. Like if he hasn't sorted it out by traveling around the world, carte blanche for the last five years people clearing the lineup for him, water safety, all that sort of stuff. There's no way that he catches up at this point to the Idolos, to the Gabriels, to, by the way, Jack Robinson. 
Kelly Slater, John John Florence. Like, the time is gone. If you didn't do it by now, it's the same thing with will Julian win a world title? Dude, your time has passed. We've been saying, having this conversation for seven years. It's over. Pip is and done. so we're going next year. And by the way, we're only kind of refining the quality of waves that we're going to have on tour. So next year, we're going to have G-Land. What's Gabe, so Felipe now, in addition to just trying to figure out how to surf the box and pipeline, add G-Land to the list. He's never been to G-Land. And let's say it runs in pumping waves. So not now he has to figure out how to be comfortable. Forget about like actually navigating the barrel and all of the kind of really detailed technical skills that you need, which Jack Robinson has in spades naturally. John John Flores has naturally. Certainly Gabriel can figure that out real quickly. Felipe, that learning curve in those types of waves is just so vast for him. Yeah. Like he's done. This is peak Felipe. You got he got like a great run up the rankings when there were waves that were shreddable. And even translated that to J Bay, which I didn't see coming. But it's done, dude. There's Over. Too much pointy, too much talent at the pointy end of the stick at this point. There's seven guys who so, can do it in all conditions. And he's not one of them. What about Michael Jordan? I still reserve hope for him, but it's foolish. Yeah, that's a foolish hope. It really is. Jordy, Jordy's never going to win yeah. anything Jordy again. Jordy has all the talent in the world. Does he, though? All, Let's yes. be honest. Yes. Let's be honest. 100%. You think Jordy... I mean, I'm not saying Jordy's untalented, but you think Jordy could win a tour on talent alone? If you're going to put apparently not. If you're going to put everybody's talent into the bucket though. Like let's say let's say no heat strategy, let's say no Let's say free surf edits. Free surf edits. You'd say Michael Jordan, number 1 surfer in the world. Top 3 for the last decade. No, I'm going to say he's top 10. I don't know. I mean, I think that he has something that nobody else has. Um, like there's a lot of uh talent variables that overlap but he has a power coupled with like the radical you know blow tail kind of finesse that nobody else has but he doesn't he doesn't have any good barrel sense either though i mean his he serves ledgy reefy barrels as well as pip better than he's made the semifinals at chopes small chopes no proper chopes like two years ago i mean remember that uh, I guess North Point. I don't know if North Point counts. I ain't saying he's a chicken. I'm just saying that he doesn't. He doesn't. That's his a weakness in his game. Going left is another weakness in his game. So we'll see what he does at G Land. But I do feel like Jordy has like again a unique talent, which is like his size and his power and ability to harness it, and then also pair that with doing airs, which will allow him to do bigger airs than anybody else. Like I believe Jordy could. Do airs on ten foot sections at Holly Eva, where like Felipe can't. Interesting, I think about the whole air game when you bring it up with Felipe, and then thinking also that Felipe's been battling kind of niggling injuries all year, which that's going to start happening to these air guys. I bet for sure they're, they're going to be uh, John too, right? It they're, already did. Uh, that's precisely, John you get out. you get a tweak knee that you kind of tweak again, and then since your knee is tweaked a little, then you surf differently, and then you all of a sudden tweak your back. Where like the Kelly Slater's now of the world. The guys who are just going to basically not stand and go straight in a barrel, but the guys who are going to do that, I think will have a lot longer careers than these guys who are just boosting massive errors. How is it that Gabriel's avoided all injury? Because Gabriel doesn't boost massive errors. He Gabriel will will strategically throw errors into surf competitions, but you don't see Gabriel free surfing just boosting like you do 
Pip and stuff, right? Like, Maybe. I mean, I think that's. I think he keeps his heirs strategically, uses them strategically, pulls them out when he needs to, but isn't out just pitching heirs because he thinks they're fun. Maybe so. Maybe you're right. Um, I wonder. I, I don't see anything about Gabe. I mean, I don't think I even follow him on Instagram. Yeah. But does he do cross training? Is he like in the gym and stuff? For sure, he is. For uh, sure, I think he. I think he's doing all kinds of. You know. Brazilian jiu-jitsu mixed in with whatever, with whatever. I'm sure he has, like, I feel that he has, like, multiple trainers, you know, dietary stuff. I think he's really, like, yeah. building for the building for the long haul. Well, the other detail about Jordy um, that could be a hindrance is too much too soon. You know, coming out of South Africa, big fish, small pond, arguably, like, the industry there isn't that... Uh, large and then coming here and getting like the million dollar contract getting wooed when he's 18 he and dane and then marrying obviously his wife is gorgeous he's he had has millions of dollars for a decade now he has restaurants and bars yeah. back in south africa like it's, he's got other businesses it's a little that could be part of the problem is that um i don't know squashes the grit and the kind of drive and determination that other people have. I also kind of feel like if he had to suffer in the first 10 to 15 years of his life, that always stays with you forever, no matter how many millions you get. But that doesn't seem to be the case with him. And by the way, this is the problem for Julian and Kaloe as well. Too much too soon. Kaloe, I think, oddly, because uh, I don't know that Jordy necessarily has the competitive bug. Yeah, he really had it in the first No, place like that he needs to be number one. Yeah, that like, might be it. And maybe he does internally. Kolohe, I feel, has a real schizophrenic need to be number one, but it's like really scattershot all over the place. Right? I feel this year he focused it more. Like, yeah. he fo- focused his... Because I think Kolohe is crazy competitive, wants to be number one. Kolohe and Dino wants to be world champion probably more or at least as much as any of those guys think he craves it but i think he craves it so much that it like blows out the sides and then he like chokes and stuff because he he wants it that badly does kaloe crave it because his dad wanted it for him no i think kaloe is like a real naturally one just one of those naturally really hyper competitive people he also likes sports in general he's a sporting guy you know likes the lakers likes the whoever is 49ers like through his watching him through through the years like he's just a sporting guy he's a guy who likes winners and winning and you know he's when he was especially i think really took advantage of the whole nike thing like would go hang out with well i think he hung out before with kobe bryant and this kind of stuff right where i think that's just kolohe's mindset is to win and be a winner and likes you know america winning winners win-win uh and it just, I think it just blows out the walls sometimes. But this year he seemed like he was putting it together. But there's absolutely there's so much talent I know. at the top of the draw. I don't know what the angle is for him. I mean, moving it, forward, like how to improve and get past those other guys. If if Kolohe really, I feel, thought I'm going to put together a Joel Parkinson campaign where I'm going to go and aim for seconds and thirds all year and really, really, really consistent. Uh, and then put myself in a position at the at pipe to to maybe take one out. Yeah. Like, just, I'm not going to put too much. I'm not going to try to win anything. Yeah. I'm going to try to end every single competition in the quarters. He just needs to make sure that there isn't somebody else winning multiple events that year. He, he, yeah, I mean, for Kolohe to win, 
it's both putting together a really consistent campaign and praying guys in front of him get erratic somehow that they've never been erratic gabriel's not erratic john john's strange john john should be totally erratic and is absolutely not is like a dead locked in competitor ross he's williams learned, i guess he's learned how to be yeah you know i feel like the first title or two he won kind of on talent alone yep but yeah he's certainly sharpened his competitive game i mean you'd, you'd think from the way he carries himself on land and the way he you know or either presents himself or is presented in the media a little bit aloof you know is interested in other things sailing whatever paddling you know whatever he's got going on you'd think he'd be the kind of guy who would get distracted like be out in the heat and right oh forget that we're on there only 30 minutes or whatever and you know forget to catch a wave or whatever but I no think, he's a he is a fierce competitor i think that is the secret sauce you just nailed it is it's boring if you're so myopic if your focus on life is only surfing all the time and that's what certain people gabriel maybe um certainly let's say adriano when we're looking at past winners like adriano it's just not interesting if you're that focused on this thing like what they don't realize and what the wsl fails to realize lots of times is surfing isn't that interesting and so you need and you're surfing by the way there should be a poetry to the surfing and so if your only focus is doing the best five turns to the beach it's actually not that good no matter how much you refine the act itself it's not nearly as interesting as watching craig anderson or michael february highline it a few times to the beach and so for somebody like kelly he has all of these diverse interests and all of that works its way into surfing you know and I feel like um, John John Florence is that way as well. Is he's a well-rounded, interesting person, and so all of that is conveyed through the poetry that he puts together on the wave. He happens to also then do the sickest turn and ride the barrel the deepest. But even those things, again, he's applying a poetry to it. It's true. John 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 is a complete like I, I everyone I think loves watching John John surf. Where I can appreciate like somebody who tactically puts together a good heat and and you know rings every point whatever out of each wave like does the right snap at the right time and etc but john's never feels he never feels like he's surfing to the criteria exactly feels like he's surfing like he wants to surf and thereby ends up redefining the criteria often you know he did in margaret river beautiful so um yeah he's got it figured out one other final detail we would love to call joe turpel to get this stat who has cried the most on tour that is a great question well it's between Jordy, Jordy, Gabriel, and we have a new contender in William Cardoso. Ooh, my new favorite surfer. I'm so, glad we got down to William. Did he cry at the end? Yeah. He cried because he got booted? Yep. After he lost his heat, got bumped off tour, Pete, Pete Mel interviewed him in the contest zone, competitor's area, and he wasn't, tears weren't actually dropping down his cheeks, but his eyes were fully welled up, and he, he had clearly just been crying before the cameras were. My new favorite surfer. The man, William... Over Arcal? Oh, yeah, now. Sorry, Arcal. I really like you. But the panda. The panda. panda. Kung Fu Panda has taken you down. He single-handedly... I tried. I slaved. I struggled for months to tear down or to even make a chink in the wall of positive noise. William Cardozo, our hero, took it down. Sitting there in the lineup with Barton Lynch and everyone in the booth... They were all saying nice things. It was still all positive wall stuff. But basically shit-talking him. 
Like they were. Did you see it? I probably had the volume down during that. Oh my goodness! They had a split screen, honestly, where they had a split screen of William. There's no even point to have him on camera. He was in the heat, but he was just like paddling, and they had a split screen, more or less, making fun of him for yeah for a good long time. Because he wasn't going on waves. Yeah, and he just wasn't surfing very well, and just like basically mocking his return back to the QS, like in a. I've never heard anything like that from the booth, even though, again, all their words were totally positive and, you know, they didn't deviate from the script. But one scratch beneath the surface, yeah, and it made me think, well, fuck you guys. You go, William. You break this positive wall of positive noise. Take it down, buddy. I take credit for this. Yeah. Because we, with this terribly embarrassing Chopu not going on waves performance... We called him out. We shamed him, but we more shamed the commentators yeah, for, for not, not shaming, shaming him. him. They, I mean, it was. But what they did was like it made me. It made me mourn our your idea because uh, it was what they did to him. It was so unnecessary. It was absolutely unnecessary. Like it was sugary sweet. See, like I think in the in the. Uh, presser with mel afterwards didn't mel basically praise him for getting kicked back to the qs i don't know it was so bad it was it was it was like mean girls it was barton lynch wow. and pete mel and who's in the booth usually with batten is it turpel I don't, I don't remember whoever it was i i really remember barton lynch and pete mel being mean girls wow like oh you're so william you surf so good and then that wave, that wave was so fetch yeah <laughs> <laughs> It was exactly that. It was Amazing. exactly that. It Amazing. was a real full shocker. So what is... Oh, by the way. When the panda was at sunset... Again, qualification hope. Like, he's not going to re-qualify. He yeah. needs, all this stuff's on the line. He surfed sunset without a watch. And then was, like, pointing at his wrist to the booth. Like, hey, give me a time call. What's going on? Like, aside from him not having the talent to really be on tour... Lack of professionalism. Okay, I want Panda, though. Again, Elo, here's another show for you. A year with the Panda. Getting the Panda. Game ready. You think you could do it? Taking the Panda to surf Chopu. Giving the Panda a watch. Like the different episodes of getting the Panda. (laughs) Getting him a watch. Going to the store and purchasing a watch. Here's Kelly Slater's Breitling. No, 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 no. Panda. You're losing every heat. You can't afford the Breitling. You need a Swatch, Panda. We're going to try to get you a sponsorship with Swatch. Well, turns out they're not interested. But we will pay. Can we buy a second? Let's go to a secondhand store. It'd be epic. The whole show. Getting like a year. It'd be more than just whatever, 30 days or whatever the whatever the typical one is. What's the one they're supposed to be doing with Kelly? Oh. That's already out. The 24-7 thing on HBO. It came out on HBO? Yeah. What? Yeah. Was it good? No. It was just a softball piece. Oh, dumb. Yeah. They should have had it at pipe. What dumb That's what I thought they were doing, and it wasn't. That's what it was I just, too. They I were just, just tracking assumed. the couple of days leading up to the Holly Eva Pro. What dumbasses. I know. Eric, Eric Logan, you're a dumbass. That one isn't Eric's fault. That was the HBO thing. Yeah, but Eric pitched it and packaged Probably, it and sure. sold it for yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. and he praised it. So and I'm so, blaming him. Just to give an overview, it was essentially an introduction to the main world the non-surfing world who kelly is and what surfing is that's what that piece was so if you watch it you don't learn anything new about slater at all and it's just watching him prep for that event and them kind of 
acknowledging that he's an 11 time world champ and that he's the youngest world title holder the oldest world title holder all of those things that we already know so but eric for what, softball what i'm hearing is eric logan has honestly not only has, has he disappeared off instagram he has fumbled fumbled like real gimmies i mean I don't know how you could lose. When they pitched this whole 24-7 Cali pre-pipe is what I thought it was. Me too. I thought there's absolutely no way you lose on that. They, they, they picked the one thing that's a guarantee. Kelly is guaranteed to serve pipe well. Uh, if there's any kind of tension, uh, that'll you know Kelly's will rise up to that, which there was. Kelly actually trying to qualify for the Olympics over John John. So you have all this built-in tension. You have... It would have been an amazing... I mean, it would have been can't miss good TV. Yep. The fact that Eric Logan and the World Surf League couldn't kick that one over the line. Yep. So what have they done? Let's just shit on them real quick. I feel we started praising... ELO progress report? Let's just let's just World Surf League progress report. Have Besides transformed. So they punted on the Kelly Slater HBO 24-7. Uh... Transformed is dumb as a box of rocks. No offense to Sean Thompson, who seems like a wonderful man and is an icon of the sport. Uh, what else have they put out? What else has studios done? A bunch of podcasts. Oh yeah, Dave Prodan. How's the? Have you listened to the podcast? Um, is that part of the studios? I feel like I owe Dave the. Uh, I don't know. I just owe him. Like I should listen to it. Yeah. Uh, but he, no, I have not listened. He, to it. Elo. I mean Elo. Dave Prodan gets more pump for that podcast than any person in the entire world has ever gotten for a podcast save mark moron yeah he gets invited into the booth to talk about his uh his podcast you know um so the reason why i haven't listened is because our listeners have told me it's not really that interesting or like there's not not a lot of insight in it um but then when in the advertisements that they run during the webcast it looks so not interesting. He's asking Felipe, so it's something about his speed. Like, well, you're the fastest surfer. Is that something that you actively try for or something? I'm like, what? And uh, there, there's three questions that they kind of showcase in that preview. And they're all just such softballs and so not, I don't even care what the answer is to them. It doesn't do a good job of hooking me as the viewer to make me want to listen to it basically. the it's really hard with people like the the media trained people i'll say like the Philippe toledo's of the world the guys who have done a lot of you know a lot of interviews and and kind of know how to handle it and what to say and all that it's really hard to get interesting stuff out of those guys unless you're like a crazy savvy interviewer which i'm not saying that prodan's not but Oftentimes, not oftentimes, almost every time, like the Dick Metz of the world are a more interesting story, right? Sure. Because he doesn't have a media filter on. He'll he's got stories to tell. Where, like you know, Red Bull does athlete media training. Yeah, exactly. And so all these guys, Jordy Smith, all these guys have been to through Red Bull Media Academy, yeah. where they're basically learned to shut your mouth, uh, only talk about performance, you know, whatever. Like it's a very specific, be boring. Or not be boring, but just don't be controversial at all is basically what media training is. Where if there's no hope of controversy, it's really hard to make for an interesting podcast. And by the way, Dave Prodan and the WSL's effort is to do exactly that anyways. They're not trying to be sensational. They're not trying to go deep. They're trying to give like a real broad, uh, understandable 
portrayal of surfing to the mass media to the mass audiences you know they're not trying to get them to open up about depression or whatever it is or struggling with family life or anything like it's meant to just be an easy consumable product so i think they're probably executing their goals and but i I think they're they're my concern with podcasters like i will be a little bit critical is that um you're misunderstanding the value of this medium. The value of this medium is to get real heady topics and break them apart in these real granular ways and be able to discuss things that could get edited out of written pieces or video pieces, like get dirty, down and dirty with it. And so I worry that people just see that this medium is growing, so we should get onto that platform because it's experiencing more growth than any other digital medium. But they're missing the point. The The only successful ones are the ones that really get down to the nitty gritty. I would like, because I think, I do think there's room for Prodans uh, in terms of nobody else is interviewing. Nobody has access. Nobody has access. He has access to all of them. Yeah. Fantastic, right? But it should be a long, I think I, the ones I've seen, I think are 50 minutes or whatever. They're 45, 50 minutes. They might, it might have even been shorter than that. Uh, but I think that if you had... Prodan sitting down with beers for two or three hours with you know I mean obviously the pros don't have that kind of time but if you could if you could have a long kind of roaming conversation I would be I would be interested in that yeah. I mean I wouldn't necessarily listen but I think there'd I would be real... listen I would listen if it was if his goal was to get dirt yeah and to have like real conversation yeah but I feel like it's a WSLized version of a conversation at which point I'm less interested yeah I mean well and those again the wsl making it well i mean you already said it like there's there's no controversy that's even going to be allowed to be right squeaked out of there yeah and but i'll be curious once he stops because i think he's going to run through you know kind of the pros and whatnot pretty quick when he gets pro dan gets to you and me on there i'm sure we'll be on there at some point uh i wonder yeah when he gets outside of the wall of positive noise people yeah it'll be funny to see how they do that because he's gonna have to get out he's gonna have to start talking to critics of both pro surfing and the world surf league at some point yeah well you uh referred to it with dick Metz, but that's been my experience over the years is i think mick fanning's a great get and what i realize is the listeners don't care they've heard mick interviewed a million times before and that episode ends up getting fewer downloads. And it's only because Mick did what you said, like did the media training responses. But um, I've done interviews with like Charles Mansell in New Jersey, who's an the English professor. teacher, right? Professor Mansell. He's an English teacher, but he's building boards as a hobby and he's raising a family and all this stuff. And nobody's ever heard his name before among my listeners. And then they all love that. Yeah. So I think the audience is savvy enough to where they just want good content. They don't care if it's Kelly Slater who's doing the talking or somebody else. If the person is interesting, telling good story, relatable, all that, that's what they care about. The and, I wonder I wonder if the World Surf League, I mean, again, because this podcast is geared directly at the audience they either have or think they have, which is the surf consumer who's not like the grumpy local for lack of a better term. And so I wonder if it is hitting the mark there. Like if you have moms in Des Moines or I mean I'm sure it's not a mom in Des Moines, but if you have the if you have the casual the casual surf fan who who casually watches Pipeline who has who know, you know, heard from a 
co-worker that it's going to be on flips it on the office sees Dave Prodan in the booth talking about the podcast think oh that's interesting I want to hear about pro surfers you you don't think that guy goes and the casual the weekend warrior I think they'll give it a listen they'll give you one or two chances but if it's not compelling content then no they're not going to stick around but I think I think the goal probably is you know we say we watch these surfers in the water but the WSL needs to build out their character profiles like we want to know more about their backstories so that's probably part of the goal but the, it's hard to do with the positive noise bent on it the the best place to do that too would be in your russell beer keys in this kind of zone yeah, exactly. because the, the the media savvy media trained top tier guy not only is media savvy and media trained nine times out of ten they're just robots right yeah, like exactly. the only thing they have time for is either training eating right or surfing and so there's what do you talk about like you're training you're eating right and you're surfing so that goes back to the detail about their focus is too myopic yeah like what is felipe isn't that interesting of a person i mean i'm sure he's i'm sure felipe felipe's post uh pipe interview was like his i just got kicked out of the everything interview um i thought was really elucidating in that he just looked exhausted it seems like he's juggling family he's juggling you know whatever sponsorship obligations he has he's trying he's you know professional surfing he's doing all of it he just seemed clearly worked like just beat i think shane dorian uh his comment was spot on he said I think it's been proven that if you're in the world title race, avoiding pipeline is not a good strategy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, Felipe, you're right, is honoring all those obligations, but you need to be putting in a month at pipeline before the event starts and facing your fears, battling for waves and all of that. I mean, it's... Because then when you're in a heat, it feels easy. It's been talked to to death, but it's the ADS. Adriano D'Souza went and lived with Jamie O'Brien for for months. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. for years on end. Yeah. I mean, months at a time, but for a couple years of years on yeah. in order to then win that world title. Um, before we go to commercial, before we get to Love Hurts, before we get to Barrel or Not, I'm going to read an email that we got from a commenter because it relates to exactly what we're talking about with the WSL. Um, said, uh, last episode was the best to date. Funny, interesting, irreverent, articulate, most importantly on the point with all things WSL. Elo Laird and the greatest kooks takeover of our sport, our culture, has seen to date. Gidget may have sold surfing to the masses, but these clowns are selling surfing to masses of kooks. And don't get me wrong, we've all been kooks, and to a certain extent, always will be. It's part of the process. The worrying aspect of this takeover is the aspiration of getting out of the kook age, which has driven most core surfers or generations, uh, has completely disappeared with this wave of adult learners. Proudly and shamelessly kooks, in no rush of losing their status anytime soon. Endorsed by the world's most entitled surfer, who now is at the helm of an army yes, men of yes, men kooks. No wonder they feel entitled. We can only hope Kelly retires soon, Mr. Ziff subsequently pulls the pin, and we can be done with this farce. Until then, get barreled. Wow. Phenomenal comment right there. Yeah, like the the kind of Elo not knowing that the photos that he's posting on Instagram are embarrassing, and all of the... Um, you know, the systems that we had in place at magazines before the editorial process of we're receiving 
thousands of photo submissions from around the world from world-class photographers who are by the way have already curated their selection and then we're taking among those a couple of dozen that actually make the cut to share because this is what quality surfing is this is what quality composition is like for elo to not put any of those criteria in place and just go hey look at me doing a poo stance on a longboard at on a closeout at el porto because by the way look at me yeah the subject value here is me it's all about me like that is an embarrassment not knowing that that is embarrassing to publish about yourself is a problem is he still let's let's do no, a he, real quick check is he is there still no uh instagram pictures um, he has not updated his own account, but he's been commenting on others, other accounts. So I've been getting lots of feedback from our loyal listenership going, hey, look, Elo's alive and well. Okay. Because he's commenting on other people's Good. I didn't, stuff. Good. I didn't want to have driven him to a dark place. And but I got, I'm still wondering. He's got Baby Yoda. Did you notice? He has Baby Yoda correct. now as his avatar. So that was a little wink and a nod to you and I. Like, hey, I'm still here. I updated my... I'm Baby Yoda now. Yeah. But nothing. Yeah. Nothing below. Not just a there. hung head. Here's my thought on that is he's in Hawaii, which by the way, he is in Hawaii. I've straight from direct people that work with him or know him. Uh, he's in Hawaii, busy, busy putting together content. And so that's why he's not publishing on Instagram. But what I say to that is, yeah, he's in Hawaii and the waves are pumping. So of course he's not surfing. Yeah. It's not three foot closed out El Porto. You don't think? You don't think he's out there charging with Dave Kalama and the boys? Eh, he goes I, to he goes to uh, Kalama Surf Camp every year. Yeah, exactly. He goes to Cloud Break with right. da- Dave Kalama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pumping. But no, he's not paddling out at, <laughs> on the North Shore. Oh, Elo. Well, Elo, post something. I mean, Baby Yoda was good, but let us know. Let us know you're really okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a break so that we can pay for um, the next round of cocktails this evening. I'm so excited to hear what it is. All right. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Chaz, we're back. Last week's, I went back and listened to last week's ad. It was PNC Bank, and 
was something food related. It wasn't Blue Apron, but it was something food. Something related. food boxy. It wasn't Laird no, Superfood. Food boxy. It was like a supplement or something. It wasn't Laird Creamer. No, unfortunately. Um, well, we're back, and we've got a segment of Love Hurts. We've got Barrel or Naw. People always want to know what you're watching on TV. Because whenever we do a deep dive into succession or something, Ooh, yeah. people are like, oh, I went and watched that and it was amazing. What are you watching right now? Um, favorite show on Hulu, Pen15. Pen15? I haven't heard about this one. Really? Describe quickly. Oh, dude, it's so good. A Hulu show. I like it. It's so good. Uh, two teenage girls uh, going into high school. Oh. So it's like puberty like dealing with puberty dealing with sexuality dealing with feeling inadequate all the time having goofy haircuts and it takes place like in the late 80s no i'd say late 90s okay it's so good but the two girls are played by adults in playing teenagers it's ridiculous okay pen 15 it's so good by the way pen 15 it's meant to look like penis okay like the one and the five looks like an i and an s so like when you're in high school and you like write Pen 15, write pen 15 on your, you know, thing. Like, it's that. Perfect. That's the style of comedy. It's so good. Um, okay, I'm on, I just started last night, Catherine the Great on HBO. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, good. Really? I'm, enjoy, I'm two episodes in, enjoying it. Dude, I'm rough. I'm not great with period, period pieces. pieces. I'm, yeah. I usually don't like it either, but this one is is the, it's obviously well acted, Helen Mirren and all that, but great. So far, I've really, uh, I'm hooked. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Are you? Did you watch season finale or series finale of uh, Silicon Valley? I did. I mean, I, di- I didn't watch it yet, so don't okay. spoil. Okay, don't watch nothing. Oh, it's a home run. Really? Out of the park? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have okay. you watched any of the season? Yes, but I'm I'm not caught up. Okay. Yeah. No. Out of the park. Okay. They, I'll give you. I won't say nothing about nothing, but I'll, they really um, they give you everything you want. They don't even. They don't even. Just gonna tell you a little bit, not okay. what happened. They, it's uh, ten years into the future, five oh. years in the future, or something. So they're look, they're being interviewed about what happened during this time. Okay, and so that's risky. It's risky, but it gives you everything you want because you see all the characters, you know what they became, which is all very, very, very funny. Like okay. it takes the joke. Even I thought it was, I thought it was a well executed ending. They did that with Eastbound and Down. Yeah. And I felt like completely, it wasn't true to the rest of the series. The, well, like it felt like a cheap way out. Well, the problem with Eastbound and Down is Eastbound and Down's first season was so strong. And then the seasons got progressively worse after that. Until the point at the end, you just didn't, didn't or I didn't care anymore. Where Silicon Valley was a straight up trajectory. Okay. Like every season I felt was better than the season before it. Yeah. Or as good. I mean, Silicon Valley was a phenomenal show, I thought. I agree with you. And I enjoyed season two of Eastbound and Down when they're in Mexico. I Funny. still was in. Sure. It wasn't as good as season one. Yeah. But then, yeah, by the time they're in Myrtle Beach and like Stevie Janowski shaving his head yeah. and has like Freddy Krueger claws on and they're fighting <laughs> with Will Ferrell's biker gang, yeah. it had completely jumped the shark. It had gone too far. Yeah. 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 Um, lots of, I love Danny McBride, but lots of his stuff kind of does that. Yeah. Um, the introduction to the characters is so funny. And, and then, then that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is the best season finale? I, among the pantheon of season, fin- like Big Enders, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, do are any I, Mad Men I loved the season finale? I, I know that it's con- a controversial take, but I really, really, really liked the season ending of Sopranos. Loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was so bold. Yeah. And I remember watching it in real time thinking, oh, 
like feeling I know people didn't like it but I felt I just thought it was completely powerful real time I didn't love it the first time through and then a couple of years later I went back and rewatched the whole series and thought it was genius yeah really really liked it uh, the season finale for Succession this year best was so freaking amazing best season that was the best season finale i've ever seen in my life the entire episode yeah the building up the kendall so good you, you can kind of see where it's going but you can't believe it's going to go there you can't believe he's going to do it unbelievable it's so good yep yeah love succession it. was amazing all yep. right uh love hurts Chaz is brought to you by manscaped by the way we got a mutual text message or a friend mutual friend texted both of us last night to shame us because he's been manscaping with crappy Target razors from the early 2000s. Rough. That couldn't, have, that couldn't have felt good. No, but he showed us his Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0, which is the ultimate holiday gift to give. And uh, manscaped.com, use promo code SURFING to support our podcast. Keep us in business. You'll get 20% off. You'll get free shipping. The Perfect Package has everything that you need the lawnmower 2.0 the plow the anti-chafing boxers the uh ball wipes uh everything that you need so manscaped.com promo code surfing 20 percent off fan feedback has been nothing but positive what a gift what a gift and they're bringing us love hurts because they want to know about my dating life Chaz, are you ready for this one i'm ready we if we have time we have a two-parter today but let's just start with part one okay Let's just make it a one-parter. Uh, you're, you're there. You're on your hinge. Okay. Stephanie Gilmore. Pops up on hinge. Talk to me. Do you swipe right or plow right? I plow right hard. Think about this now. Okay. Think about what you're getting yourself into. So Stephanie Gilmore, she plows right too. Wow. I'm honored. Okay. This is so, already win. So you guys go on a date. Now, imagine you're with Stephanie Gilmore, right? Think about people who see you out with Stephanie Gilmore. Did you see Saturday Night Live this last week? No, never. This, Not any week in the past. You don't, years. you don't watch Saturday Night Live? No. There was, a, there was a sketch where we have J-Lo as a you know, beautiful woman. Somebody, I think they're going for a home makeover show to their house. And she's married to just a super ugly guy. And that's the whole joke of the sketch. But imagine you're out with Steph Gilmore. You know, do you feel you have the confidence level to match Steph Gilmore? No, absolutely not. Really? And but what I'm gonna bank on is that J Lo skit. I've seen tens women who are tens all the time in Orange County with dudes who are fives all the time. Often it's because they have money, but lots of times it also isn't. Like in high school, I remember it happening all the time. The hottest chick with some dork. So I'm gonna bank. I'm going to tell myself, I'm going to create a mantra and tell myself, hey, David, everybody else gets away with this. Everybody else dupes really amazing women all the time. You can dupe them too. How how long do you think your your game, your dupe game could hold up? Well, good news. I have sincerity and I have um, a work at, like I want to make relationships work. Like my heart is in it for the right reason. So all I got to get through is the part, the superficial part of dating where you're kind of doing a song and dance. If I can convince her just to stick around long enough to see then you feel where okay. my heart is at, she'll love me for my heart. I just got to get her to that point. So you cruise into the WSL banquet, start of 20, 
so let's say 2022. Let's yeah. say now you guys are engaged. Okay. Stephanie Gilmore, you're on her arm. Yeah. You walk in. You walk in looking around, like winking at John John, giving Kelly a little fist bump, knowing like, hey, man, what? Yeah. You you have not one ounce of, oh, man, this is like as great as this has been. I don't belong. And I just am perpetually feeling fish out of water here. That's what she loves about me. Okay. Is my humility. You go on a surf trip. You have a baby. Life is great. You go on a surf trip. It's pumping. You're staying with the baby all day, every day. You Perfect. surf. You surf like the blown out wind slop in the afternoon. Is this okay? is my value in the relationship. Okay. I. You don't have to worry about me ever straying yep. because you're the best I could ever get. You don't have to worry about me fighting for time in the water because you're a way better surfer than I am. Like I'm going to be the best father, and I'm never going to miss a day with this kid because. I have nothing going on in my wow, life. Wow, so uh, good answers across the board. Yeah. Steph Gilmore, if you're listening. I'm a catch. If you're listening. Dave Steph, I'm here sales. for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, great. Yeah, I like that one. Okay. Uh, plow right. Good. The Plow 2.0. It cuts close and does all the work. Perfect. Um, so I remember her dating Spike Jones last year. Okay. Did we talk about this? No. Was I talking to uh yeah, I saw a photo of her like at a premiere for a movie with Spike Jones, the filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, made her pretty good. Yeah, I would that's res- a good get for Steph. I would respect Spike Jones more, except he does horrible, stupid shit with Vice. The stuff he's done with Vice is embarrassing and lame. Is he still working with them? Yeah, it's awful. I remember like him getting his start back then, but I don't. No. I thought he was like too A-list. It's really awkward. Like he takes his good films and he doubles down by doing stupid shit with vice mm, well yeah, unfortunate uh i disagree with you because stephanie thought he was good enough and that's good enough for me well don't you dare talk to my woman that way Chess. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a, that was a surprising one for me i gotta say yeah i'm all about sincerity and heartfelt and uh i think stephanie is great a deep enough person to recognize those traits in me love it and so this is a match made in heaven perfect yeah and uh slide into the dm steph um all right Barrel or not, Chaz. Excited. Men dying or bleaching their hair. I'm going to say barrel. Really? Uh, I, from Dennis Rodman on up, I've always enjoyed Idolo today. I've always enjoyed a good, especially with athletes, like a dude on the street, even even a dude on the street. Yeah. Okay. Get weird. Why, be, why just take what God gave you? Um, why not mix it up? Because it's, uh, I don't know, it's a little desperate, maybe. I mean, what if it looks desperate? But like, if well, you for Dennis Rodman, it super looks desperate. Yeah, but Dennis Rodman made it his whole thing. Look at how great he looked all those years. I don't think he looked that great. What about Idolo? See, Idolo is doing the thing that we've talked about. It's the if you want to win something, you have to have blonde hair. Yeah, and surfing. If you want to win, you have to have blonde hair. And he knew that going into pipe, so he bleached his hair blonde. Yeah, that's He's true. Like... That's true. But Idolo looks good. It's more. Idolo yeah, it looks, does. It looks. It works for him. I and suppose. it's it's more fun to look at Idolo now than it is to look at Idolo with normal hair. Yeah. Like for entertainment value, rarely does a dude look less interesting or less fun. I mean, you know, maybe it's not the look he's going for. Maybe he looks way less handsome. Maybe he looks exactly desperate. But he's entertaining me, uh, and I'm all about being entertained. Definitely works more for him than uh, Gabriel's cornrows did. Oh, man. Gabriel's cornrows were shockingly embarrassing. Dude, I screenshot. I happened to just log on to Instagram and uh, his story popped up. Like it was the first thing that popped up and it had been posted like less than a minute ago. So I screenshotted it real quick and posted in my stories or maybe even on a post. And um, 
then he he deleted it. He oh. deleted his stories. So I think like he got embarrassed by it, but I had already snagged it. It's so when you're when you're on it that quick, yeah. it feels really good. Yeah. Can you send me over the yeah. uh gay with corns? Yeah. That's good. Um barrel. You're not a barrel. No, I'm fine with it. I mean, I, I honestly don't really care. I would never do it. I don't care about my You you never threw you much. you never went through a phase where you were dying, bleaching, no. coloring your hair? Never. Oh, never. I had, I had a banging phase. I I believe that. Yeah. I had a <laughs> I had a candy punk phase. A lot of pinks in there. Really? Oh yeah. Like you the, have photos? I'm sure somewhere. It was like last year in high school, first year in college or something. Yeah. But yeah. Fun. Um Speaking of Dennis Rodman, he lives in Newport Beach. Yeah. And his daughter's a big soccer player. Oh, is she? Mm-hmm. Dude, I have horror stories of him uh, with women. Like, basically, this is all alleged. Yeah. Of course. Alleged. Alleged. But friends, close connections of women just like being cornered by him in ho- in restaurants and hotels and like trying to escape his, you know, alleged his. Yeah. And I don't think that he's ever <laughs> yeah. done anything yeah, yeah. like that would be le- illegal or anything like that. But like women being wildly uncomfortable by his advances and like trying to like dodge and get out of the way or see him coming and be like, oh, no, we've heard stories about this guy. Dennis Roman is really planting down in Newport has always been a funny footnote, I think. I mean, the people who like Kobe Bryant's in Newport too. Yeah. Like the people who you wouldn't typically think would post up in Newport Beach are yeah, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. I remember the house that he lived on in the sand, like when I was in college, him landing a helicopter on the sand at a house party one time. Epic. Yeah. And then getting fined by the police, but like not caring. Yeah. Know? Dennis Robin. Yeah. Wild. Um all right, barrel or nah. Ayahuasca. Nah. Really? Yeah. Have you done? No, but, and I don't want to be nah. I want to be, I just, it seems all hippie-ish and whatever and expansive. Yeah. I'm not into the expansiveness. Don't you want to find yourself? No, Mm. I don't. Do you? Don't you want to, I do, but I haven't done it. Uh, But I'm, I'm super curious about it. But I had a deep, deep dive on a podcast I'm going to publish at the end of this month with somebody. I'll wait to reveal who this person is. But um, he had an experience with it and does 30 minutes fully detailing everything and how. And so what's interesting to me is like we're all connected. Sure. Like and you're connected with previous ancestors. And then when you do the ayahuasca, it strips away all of this cynical artifice that you've built up to protect yourself from the childhood traumas and people taking advantage of you and all that. And you, all of that is dissolved. Your ego is dissolved and you're just able to see people for who they are and connect, you know, this interconnectedness that we all have because we're all energy. You're able to just communicate with people and by the way, your ancestors as how, well. Imagine how boring Beach Girl would be if it was like a real one-to-one communication, a beautiful communication with people. That's all it I kind have of is, is all I have is my satire and my cynicism. I know, but it it is an ayahuasca experience in there because you are having real-time communication with I mean there's real-time communication with with Beach Girl people. Yeah, but there is still some ego and artifice and all that built up within all of those communications i'm all i guess i'm all for it for other people to do it. i just have no interest in doing it myself hmm. because you like being sober all the time i like being checked s- in with reality exactly sober-minded hmm. uh and also i just don't like the aesthetic of ayahuasca i don't like the hippie thing gotcha 
Yeah. yeah. I, I can kind of agree with you on that. If it was like cocaine, like if it had the same aesthetic as cocaine, then I would be, I'd be like more curious. Yeah. Like I like my drugs to have a bad, creepy aesthetic. So ayahuasca is a plant. Um, cocaine comes from a plant. Sure But does. is it a natural product or is it cocaine's, you have to synthesize? I mean, is it? No, it doesn't. It occurs naturally in the plant, but they have to do something to to separate the the whatever molecules yeah, or whatever they're right. separating. So it is a man-made drug. That's man-made, I mean, coca. You could chew coca leaf and get some of the effect. And they and the Bolivians will chew it with sulfur in their cheek, which I can never remember how they keep the sulfur from burning through their cheek. But some of they pack sulfur in like a leaf or something, and then will chew coca leaves. Uh, and that causes like the sulfur plus the the chemical reaction that causes the chemical reaction. So you can do it semi naturally, but all right. Well, um, we're so we're going not on ayahuasca. Even though you're going to listen to that podcast, you're going to be like, okay, now I'm, I'm in. Interested. Okay, but the third barrel or not is also an equally non uh, man made plant or not plant based man made barrel or not Taco Bell bean burritos. Ooh, such a, I mean, a traditional roof dragon barrel. I, really? I lived on Taco Bell bean burritos in college. I think they were like, it must have been 50 cents and they were all I could afford. Yeah. Extra well, this cheese. is this is asked because, of course, Kai Lenny, in a post-heat interview at Jaws, somebody asked, I think it was Dave Wassel, asked, like, dude, what's the secret? Like, is your diet, like, what do you do to have this much energy throughout the day? And I swear to God, I thought Kyle Lenny was sponsored by Taco Bell. He said Taco Bell bean burritos. Dude, he spent 10, not 10 minutes. He spent a full minute praising Taco Bell's bean burritos. How in the world did Taco Bell better be running that clip nonstop right now? I honestly, I was like, wow, this is, not only is this clearly an advertisement, but Kai, it's off brand. It's really off brand, but that makes me like Kai more. So it turns out it wasn't an advertisement. It turns out he actually, actually is super it. into Taco Bell bean burritos. That makes me like Kai more. Yeah. And he even said, he goes, yeah, you know, I tried to do, you know, plant-based, whatever. And then I run out of energy. But for some reason, He's the just Taco Bell through. bean burrito keeps me going all day long. And then they cut back to the booth and Kaipo is like, yeah, anybody who knows Kai knows that they have to, if you go surfing with him, you have to take him to the, through Taco Bell afterwards. Wow. For him to like re-energize. Fantastic. Isn't that funny? It makes me really like Kai. Kai and I have something in common now. Apparently. I. So you're going full barrel, dude. Full barrel. Wow. I mean, I haven't had one in years and years and years, but like I lived on the Taco Bell bean burrito in college. I mean, I did too. I mean, I didn't live on them, but I ate tons of them throughout my life up until the last decade probably. What I remember is they're gray. The beans inside so are good. gray. It's so tasty, though. Those beans. Who wants, like, really nice refried beans? The whole point of a refried bean is just to be weird, right? I mean, it's to be kind of gross and cheap. That's it's not, to be, it's not to be artisan. No, it doesn't need to be artisan. I think it just needs to have some sort of nutritional value. When was the last time you were at a Taco Bell? Five years, maybe. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I try to hit up. I try to stay current. I hit up Taco Bell probably once every month. Really? No. Do you feel terrible after eating it? Uh, no. Huh. Yeah. What's That's, your What's your order? Well, it changes. You. So what'll get me? What I like is their fake, whatever nacho cheese sauce stuff. And so if I'm watching TV and see an advertisement for their new, whatever cheesy, extra cheesy, whatever burrito, then it'll stick in the back of my mind and be like, ooh, one of those looks good. And so then if I'm cruising around hungry and see a Taco Bell. I'll go get whatever. So what I get is whatever their new weird cheesy thing is. Okay. 
Yeah. So you're not a purist. No, I don't have you like don't a Taco Bell meal. It's right. just I'm. Um, I love their weird cheesy stuff. Well, um, they have cheese tots. Maybe now, I, I need. Now. Maybe I need to revisit Taco Bell. Go. You could. We'll see. And the problem is here's the here's why I try to stay keep enough fast food in my diet. Not a ton. Uh, it used to be a lot. Now it's very little. But I never wanted to get to the point of if there's fast food is the only thing available that I'm going to be sick because I have no tolerance built up. I've got to keep my tolerance at least at some at some level. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now is I'll get sick if I eat it. Yeah. Like so you got to feel terrible for half a day. I just think imagine the opportunity presents itself for you and Kai to just go have the funnest day together. No, me and Steph. Yeah, I mean, but then after, maybe that's the maybe that was the way into Steph. Maybe Steph's like David Lee, I you know, Kai is the guy. He's kind of the guy who's the gateway. Be like Kai. And so you just need to hang out with Kai for a day. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, if Kai likes you, then you're in. Yeah. And you're going to just be puking. Because yeah. you, didn't, you didn't inoculate yourself. That's true. You should right, I'll start the process today. now just yeah. for when I meet Steph. Yeah. Um, do you remember the comic Mitch Hedberg? Yes. <laughs> he had a joke. It was like, uh, I like refried beans. But I've never had fried beans. Maybe they're just as good and we're wasting twice as much time. That know? is so true. Fried beans. I, really... I'm pretty sure refried beans are just fried beans, right? They can't. No, because you'd have to refry them. I think that's the whole point is you're frying it and then you're refrying it. Are they even fried in the first place? Because I think of frying as being bubbly hot oil that you're putting stuff in. Well, they're in lard. They're fried in. I mean, there's there's lard in those beans i think typically because you'll see the artisan refried beans uh, come lardless now right i'll oh, say really? no lard so the fact that they advertise no lard means that for much of history refried beans were made with lard yeah well his other i mean he had a million great one-liner jokes but the other one was like um rice is great when you're really hungry and you want two thousand of something <laughs> He does a lot of rice and bean humor. Oh, real funny, rice and bean humor. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been a pleasure. We're going to wrap up the If Pipe Ends Sunday. on Sunday. You and I are going to do a live stream live like we did it. for some other event yep. earlier this year that I forget about. Yeah. Um, and then everybody can find you on beachgrid.com, of course. They should go to manscaped.com and use promo code SURFING. Save 20%, get free shipping, and support this podcast most importantly. And um, get the perfect package, 2.0. One quick last pitch here. Uh, Long Tom, Steve Shear at Beach Grit, is on an artistic tear. His pipe recaps have been some of the best, I think, sports writing I've ever read. So it's worth it for people. If you have not read Long Tom's day, however many days we're in now to pipe, go read the reviews. They're phenomenal. I'd expect nothing less. I mean, he's really great. But the fact that he can keep upping his game is the surprising thing to me. Yeah. Well, um, thanks to Album Surfboards for hosting us today in our studio as well. Beautiful shop in the world. All right, Chaz, until next week. Get barrel. <laughs>